Hi, this is Blake Andrews, lead pastor at Victory World Outreach Denton, Texas. This is our podcast, and we're so glad that you came to check it out today. I hope this message encourages you and inspires you to do great things for God. And following Jesus. And I want to talk about that this morning, and I want to give a quick story before we get into the Word. But first, how many, how many have heard the song, I Have Decided to Follow Jesus? No turning back. No turning back. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Famous song. Really made famous by Billy Graham and all the crusades that he did. It was one that they would play every time. It's been sung all around the world. And I've got a story at the end that I think is going to really bless you of who and where and how that song was written. You know, when you know why and how and where something was written, it gives a whole nother meaning to the song. So... Uh, we're going to get into that in a minute, but I want to give a quick story, because how many know the gospel got here today to us through sacrifice? People giving their lives, people sacrificing uh, their, their lives to spread the gospel to us, and so uh, I want to give a story, a little story about sacrifice. When I was over in Costa Rica, I've, I've told this to the disciples, the guys on, on a Friday morning before, I don't know if I've ever said it in, in a service, but it's a good lead-in. Uh, when I was playing basketball... Um, some may know, some don't. I played professionally for five years in Costa Rica, and, and I was on a really uh, good team my last three years, and actually that team only existed for three years that I played. Um, I was actually part of uh, forming the team and, and finding the players and everything, and so we, we were really good. We came out of nowhere, came into the league, and, and started winning and went to the championship every year, and, and so our team was really, we really grew in, in uh, fame and and uh, everybody wanted to come play for our team because we had good money and, and good, gym, good stadium and all that stuff. And so uh, as the team grew and got more popular, uh, going into my last season, we had three spots left on our roster. The roster for basketball has 12 players. And so we had nine. I was one of them. I already had a contract for that year. And all the other eight guys did. But we had three spots left. And so they let the whole country know we have three spots for Saprisa. And we're going to have some tryouts, open tryouts. So anyone can come, anyone that wants to try out for the team. So we showed up, and we knew as the players on the team that this was going to be our preseason. Now, do I have any athletes in here? Let me see your hands. Anybody that played sports? Um, we have some that played high school, some that played college. Um, I won't look around or say names. We have some who have broken records um, in this place, uh, track records and all kinds of stuff. We have some athletes in here. Our first service, we had some athletes as well. And so you know that preseason is like a cuss word, right? It's not fun. Preseason's when you do all the running and all the, all the throwing up, excuse me if that's the truth, and all the exhaustion and getting ready for the season. And the only way you have a good season is a good preseason, okay? And if you don't put the work in in the preseason, you don't have a winning team. When you get to the championship, which I was able to play in a couple of them, and you get to that uh, final game, and you're able to you know, fight for that, that last, that last uh, game and say, I'm a champion, before you get there, the way you get there is preseason. Going all the way back to the running and the sacrifice and all those things. So we had these uh, out, this, this, uh, tryouts, and so we get there uh, on a f- at 5 o'clock in the morning for these tryouts. And again, us nine players know what's, what's going on. We know we're going to run. We don't even have our basketball shoes. And we're not happy. It's 5 o'clock in the morning, and we know we're going to run. But we're, we're, we got a little bit happy when we saw these guys come in because 60 guys showed up 
for the tryouts for three spots. That's a lot of people. So they're in our, they're in our stadium, and they're shooting around, and, and there's basketballs flying around, and you can just watch them. You know, they're dribbling, and they're doing their shots, and looking over at the coach, and they're looking over at us. And, and all of us, we're just getting our running shoes on and laughing because they think they're going to play basketball. And so all of a sudden, they blow the whistle, bring everybody in, and they're all excited, and they're thinking, okay, now I get to show off what I got. And the, guy, and the coach says, out to the track. So all of us, all 70 of us, 69 of us go out to the track, and we ran for two hours. We threw up. We ran. We threw up. We ran. We fell. We were exhausted. We, you know, just horrible. Two hours. Just run, 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 run for two hours. Nothing else. Not touch a ball. Nothing. So we come in from these tryouts, get in the gym, and all of a sudden, even though they're tired, you see these guys go get the ball again. They're looking over at the coach. They're shooting. They're dribbling. They're, they're doing all this stuff. Coach pulls us in. All right, guys, that's the first tryout. See you tomorrow. The guys are like... So they leave. The second day of the three-day tryout comes back, and 30 guys come. So 30 guys dropped out. Same exact thing happens the second day. They come in the second day. They're shooting. They're dribbling. They're moving around. They're looking at the coach. Out to the track. We run for two hours. We throw up. We run. We throw up. We run. We throw up. We come in. We go to the gym. Everybody come in. They do it again. That's the second tryout. See you tomorrow. Heads go down again. The third day, 10 people showed up, from 60 to 30 to 10. The third day, we still didn't touch a ball. The three guys that made the team never touched a basketball. They made it for the three days of running. And then the, 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 they chose that there was a little tiny bit of basketball on the last day. But they said all that to say this. The sacrifice is what matters because when we talk about following Jesus, and you ask the question, have you decided to follow Jesus, how many know it's easy to say, I do? How many got married and said, I do? Amen. When you said, I do, it was easy to say that. Say that real quick. I do. That wasn't hard, right? How many know what follows after that is where the work comes in? It's the same thing with Jesus. We can come to an altar. We can pray with someone on the street. We can be in a house and, and someone tell us, do you want Jesus? Do you want to follow Jesus? And we can say, yes, I have decided today to follow Jesus. But that's, not, that's the easy part. Walking it out is what's hard. And living for the Lord is what's hard. Putting in the sacrifice is what's hard. And so I want to talk about this this morning because we as believers need to know that following Jesus is an everyday decision. Amen. Now let's look what this says in Matthew, or sorry, uh, Luke chapter 9, verse 23 to 26. I want to kind of break this down. I'm only going to read this and a couple other verses this morning, but I really want you to see this. Jesus comes and says to them, if anyone, now I love that because how many are thankful that anyone can be saved? Anyone. Anybody. That anyone means anyone. There's no stipulations to who can be saved. Doesn't matter your past. Doesn't matter what you've done. Doesn't matter how much you failed. Anyone. Jesus says if anyone. He didn't say certain people, and I'm thankful for that. It's inclusive to whoever wants to. John 3, 16 saying, for God so loved the world that whosoever, anyone, can follow me. But he says if anyone desires to come after me. And I, and I stop there because when you think of the word desire, there. The, the, that's really where the, 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 the rubber meets the road. There was a desire for those guys to make the team, but there wasn't enough desire for them to push through the pain. A lot of times there's a desire, Joe mentioned at the offering, there's a desire to go to heaven. Nobody goes, I want to go to hell. 
There's a desire to go to heaven, but how many people have the desire to lay some things down? How many people have the desire to make some changes in their life? How many have the desire to say, God, I'm going to put you first over everything else? And so Jesus was very followable. How many know that when he was on this earth, he was doing things that was very followable? Why wouldn't you want to follow somebody who's healing people? Why wouldn't you want to follow somebody who's raising dead people? Why wouldn't you want to follow people who's casting demons out of people? Why wouldn't you want to follow somebody who's feeding thousands of people? I mean, he was very easy to follow. But the thing that most people don't understand, and this is Christianity today, especially in the United States, is there's more than just making a decision to say, I'll follow Jesus. You have to follow it through. Has anybody in here ever ran a marathon? Let me see your hand. Anybody ran a couple people ran a marathon, half a marathon? Anybody ever never want to run a marathon? Let me see those hands. No desire. Amen. You know the stickers? They got the what 13.2 or 13.3 or whatever it is, and the 26.2. I want to put one on that says zero. <laughs> I don't even want to try. Amen. Because I only like to run when I have a ball in my hand. That's the only time I like to run. But running is important. And this run, this walk we're in with God is a marathon. It's a marathon, and some of you are maybe near the end, and I'm not saying you're going to die, amen? You're maybe near the, near the end. Some are more in the middle. Some are in the first quarter. Some are just starting off, but we're all at different places. But the problem is we've got to finish. It doesn't do any good to say I participated in a marathon. I've never seen anybody get all excited that they participated in a marathon. You do see someone who says, I ran a marathon, and it took me three days, but I finished. The real satisfaction to running a marathon is that you finish, no matter how long it takes. And that's got to be our goal. Jesus said, he who endures till the end shall be saved. Are you still here? So I'm breaking this down. There's a desire, but you need to ask yourself this morning, how strong is my desire to follow God? Amen. We need, we need that preaching to us that challenges us. And causes us to want to be greater in God. And really ask ourselves, do we or have we really decided to follow Jesus? And by the time this message is over, you'll, you'll have that answer for yourself. Let's keep reading. Watch this. Let him deny himself. If you don't get anything else out of this message, underline that, circle that, write that in your notes in capital letters. I have it in my notes in capital letters. Let him deny himself self and take up his cross now watch this daily daily see it's easy to take up your cross today because it's Sunday and you're in church and this is the day we're supposed to come to church and a lot of people I don't say this judgmentally I just say it as a fact lots of people around the world today are at church and they're taking up their cross today they, they've decided to follow Jesus today. But the question is, will you follow him tomorrow? The question is, on Thursday, Jesus is asking you and me every day, have you decided to follow me today? Will you follow me today? It's a daily decision. You'll see this all throughout the scriptures. And let me ask you this, how many know there's some days we fail on that? Jesus doesn't fail, but we fail. Certain days, we fail. We, we say yes, but by the time the day's over, we failed. 
We have not followed Jesus. We have not denied ourselves. We have not taken up our cross. And I kind of want to hit a little bit this morning and teach a little bit about what that means to take up your cross because a lot of people have that question and then a lot of people get it wrong. Because when you think about the cross, sometimes we think about that physical cross that Jesus carried and, and we think maybe, maybe that cross is sickness. Or I'm sick, so that's the cross Jesus wants me to carry. Or I'm depressed, that's the cross Jesus wants me to carry. That's not the cross he's talking about. The cross he's talking about is denying yourself and being more like him, acting like him, talking like him, walking like him, thinking like him, living like him. You don't have to bear a physical cross, church, because Jesus already bore that physical cross. He already went to the cross. He already defeated the cross. That physical cross is not yours to bear. What he's saying is that you need to deny yourself because that's what Jesus did. Jesus does not expect us to physically go to the cross because he already went. But he expects us to deny ourselves, and that's what taking up the cross is. And it says, whoever desires, oh, sorry, and then it says, and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and he himself is destroyed or lost? And then watch this. You hear me say this all the time when we do altar calls. For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, of him shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his own glory and in his Father's and of the holy angels. Father, I ask you to anoint your word for just a few minutes this morning. Arrest our minds right now. Cause us to not think about uh, food or tomorrow or bills or situations, but allow us to, to let your spirit penetrate our hearts, that we would walk out of this place with a decision, Father, to follow you all the days of our lives and die daily and deny ourselves and take up our cross and be like you, Father. We thank you for that power and that help that you give us. In Jesus' name, amen. You think about the word decision, okay? We make decisions every day. You made a decision to come to church this morning. You made a decision what color clothes you were going to wear. You made a decision what you were going to eat for breakfast, if anything. You, we make decisions all day long. And a lot of times our decisions are not life-changing but there's a decision, listen, there's a decision we have to make every single day, which is, have you decided to follow Jesus today? Today. Paul said, I die daily. Paul didn't say, I die on Sundays when I go to church. He said, I die daily. Don't, how many have realized the real battle is not on Sunday? Now, there may be sometimes that might be the time you get in an argument with your spouse or you have a problem, but the real battle's in the middle of the week. The real battle's on Tuesday afternoon or Thursday morning or Friday night where the devil's attacking you and your flesh and your desires, and, and Jesus is asking you, have you decided to follow me now? Have you decided to follow me today? Will you decide to follow me tomorrow? And we have to make that decision every single day. If we're going to make it for the Lord. The word decision, the definition is a conclusion or a resolution reached after consideration. You know what's interesting about that? We, and I fail in this too. We, we as churches fail many times presenting the gospel. Because we don't show the people the truth about the gospel. 
Jesus said, this is a hard road. He said, it's a narrow road. Somehow, some way, and we pray today that this is not us. Somehow, some way, the church world has made that road wide. Can I get an amen there, please? We've made it wide. We've made it convenient. Don't make me come to church too long. Don't make me commit too much. And that's why the mega church is so popular today. People can show up and no one will ever know if they're there or not. They can just show up and check it off the list. But by the time this, story's, this service is over, you're going to hear a story that I hope and I pray will change your perspective on what following Jesus really means. Because we sing that song and we're going to sing it today at the end of the service. I have decided to follow Jesus. But the question is, have you really? Have you really and will you really tomorrow? It's real. It's a real question. Jesus painted it out. And he said, he said, I want you to consider. And he gives parables that I don't have time to go into this morning. He gives parables about making, doing the math, basically. Do I have enough to finish this building? Am I able to do this? Am I going to follow through? Jesus said, listen, he's basically saying, I'm paraphrasing, making this simple. I have something so awesome for you, but it's not going to be easy to get there. You're going to have to deny yourself. And do you realize this morning that ourselves is our greatest enemy? You're your greatest enemy. Your flesh is your greatest enemy. Because the last time I checked, we're selfish people. We want what we want. And it's not the first thing that enters into our mind to help somebody else. It's not the first thing that comes into our mind to think about somebody else. And this is what Jesus wants us to understand. Let me give you a few more words. Let me, As I read these synonyms from the definition of, of decision... You check yourself and you ask yourself, do I have that? No, one of them is resolution. Do I have resolution about following Jesus? Another one is conclusion. You know the jury's still out on some people's faith? Did Jesus really resurrect from the dead? Did Jesus really die on the cross? Is Jesus really coming back? You need to know this morning whether you believe that or not. Do you have a conclusion in that, in your decision? Another one is settlement. When you say, it's settled, amen? How many know when you say, it's settled, it means it's done. Thank you. It's done. It's, have you settled in your mind this morning that you're going to live for Jesus no matter what? Have you settled in your mind this morning that there's nothing, no situation, no problem, no trial that's going to keep me from living for Jesus? Have you settled that in your mind? Have you made that decision? And then some of you might say, yes, I made that decision, but guess what? You have to make it again tomorrow. See, I, I got saved 27 years ago, but Jesus is not going off my 27 years ago decision. He's asking me today, will you follow me today? Did you catch that? It's not, it's not just do it one time and, it's, and, and you're good. You got to make that decision every day. Because any day you can wake up and say, you know what? No, I don't want to follow today, Jesus. This, this, this cross is too hard. This cross is too heavy. It's a decision. Here's another one commitment. Now I didn't just cuss. Amen? Commitment. Commitment. God wants us to commit to him. And, and the last one is determination. So do you have commitment, determination, conclusion, settlement, resolve around your trust in Jesus? Have you decided so much in Jesus that you have, the, does that define you who you are today? Only you can answer that question. Daily. As I think about that, what are some of the things that we need to surrender? Watch this. Our will. We need to surrender our will to Jesus. 
How many are thankful this morning that you have free will? That you have a choice this morning to choose or not? It's the greatest gift that God gave or gave us to give us a choice. We have a choice to say, I don't want to follow God. I have a choice today. I don't want to go to heaven. I have a choice today. I want to do what I want. God says, I give you that gift. And that free will is the biggest gift, and it's also our biggest hindrance. Because our free will wants to do the opposite many times of what God's will is. And if you don't think you have a problem with that, then you're better than Jesus. Because Jesus struggled with that in the Garden of Gethsemane. He got to a place in his flesh where he said, God, I can't handle this. Let's do this a different way. Snapped into it. Not my will, but your will be done. So we have to get our will and our way and our emotions and our desires and our mind totally on Jesus. When you begin to make decisions, where's Jesus in the decision? When you begin to go do something, where's Jesus in you doing that? When you begin to buy something, is Jesus in it? When you begin to go somewhere, is Jesus in it? When you listen, watch, go, think, do, is Jesus involved in your decisions? That's how you know if Jesus is Lord, that he's not an afterthought. We're guilty of that too, where we get into trouble and then we find ourselves praying after we've tried about five other things. And then God's like, I've been here the whole time. I could have saved you the last four steps. But our flesh. So, so Jesus is saying, I need you to be totally surrendered to me. How many want to be at that place where you're totally surrendered to Jesus? What a place. That's God's desire. For us, it's what he says here. Take up your cross and follow me. Deny yourself. Now, a life totally surrendered to Christ can be broken down in a verse, Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. To make it simple, this is what Jesus did. Let nothing be done through self-ambition or conceit. Let nothing be done through self-ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, meaning in humility. How far can we go with God if we walk in a spirit of humility? And watch this. In lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. How do I take up my cross? How do I deny myself? I deny myself by putting other people in front of me. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but that's hard to do. Because that's not how we're made in our sinful nature. Originally God intended that, but when sin came in, we became selfish. And it started way, way, way back with Adam and Eve and then Cain and Abel, and it continued to go on and on and on. But when you think about free will, how many have ever had the question, if we have free will, then how come God said in his word that Pharaoh, God hardened Pharaoh's heart? And how come Judas sold uh, Jesus over for 30 coins? And how how come those things happened? How come God uh, used certain situations? Because he's God and he knows in his omnipresence and his omniscience what people are going to do. He knew Pharaoh's heart was going to harden. But he didn't harden Pharaoh's heart. He knows how you're going to end up. But he's not making your decisions. You have free will. You have free will. And how many are thankful that God gave us that free will? Because otherwise we would be robots. You know, we have a family in our, in our church that they were at the first service. Grand, great grandbaby over, 65% burned in his body, four-year-old, in a coma, on life support, trying to stay alive. Half the, they've lost everything they had. They didn't even have clothes to go to the hospital. They've lost everything. Babies are aborted. 
Horrible murders are committed. All kinds of wars are going on. Lots of bad things go on on this earth, and we go, God, why? Let me, ask, let me answer your question so you can stop asking. It's called free will. If we don't have free will, none of those things would happen, but you wouldn't have emotions either. And you wouldn't have joy or sorrow or, or, or choice. God says, I'm going to give you free will to choose me. But the way you choose is denying yourself and thinking about somebody else. Thinking about somebody who's coming behind you. Do any of you want to make a difference in somebody else's life? Do you want to make some sacrifices in your life that will make a difference in a generation that's coming behind? That other people can hear the gospel because of our sacrifices? Now, none of us, sorry, some of us aren't going to go around the world and preach the gospel. Some of us aren't going to be missionaries. Some of us aren't going to do a lot of the things that God might ask people to do. But there are four things that I want you to write down as I close this morning that you can do in your lives that are very tangible, meaning very able to be done. And they're kind of a barometer in your walk with God. And these are actually four things that I have in our ministry expectations in our church. I made this many years ago, and I've actually shared it with some of our other churches, and it's, it's, a, it's a standard that we should have as believers. And these four things, if, if anybody's in ministry, they'll know these and they'll reckon them. They're called the four T's. Four T's. And these four T's, as I read these and say these four T's, you're going to recognize in these that every single one of them has to do with self-denial. Every single one of them. Deny yourself, Jesus said. Deny yourself, Jesus said. Watch these four things, four things, four T's. Tithe, time, talk, and testimony. Tithe, time, talk, and testimony. I could take a, a message for each one. I've got verses for all of them. But we expect in our church people who are going to say, I want to be a leader. I want to be up on the praise team. I want to work with the kids. I want to be an usher. We want you to serve. That's what everybody in here, we want everybody in here to be serving. That was a good place to say amen. Amen. I'm preaching better than your amen, by the way. Just letting you know. We want everybody to be in the ministry, everybody to be a leader, because God wants you to be a leader. If you're sitting back saying, well, I'm just not leadership material, then you're denying Jesus in your life. You're denying what God wants to do in your life. Didn't say you're going to get up and be in a pulpit. Didn't say you're going to go be a missionary. But we're all leaders because people are watching us. We're all, we all have people watching our lives. And these four areas are very big. When you think about tithing and giving money to the Lord, when you tithe and you take your money, that's God's money anyways, and you give back what he asks, you're denying yourself so the gospel can go forward. When you hold back what is God's and you don't tithe, you're not denying yourself. You're denying somebody else from hearing the gospel. When you talk about time, I'm going to get in someone's backyard here for a second, maybe into your bedroom. When you talk about time, time is very important. And I didn't get an amen on the first one either. Time is very important. You know what happens when you tell somebody, I'll meet you at 10 o'clock, and you're there at 1010? You're telling them that you're not as important as I am. You're lacking respect for that person. It means that my world's better than your world. I say 10, I show up when I want. Oh, it got quiet in here. Time. Time is very important. You deny yourself when you say, I'll meet you at a certain time, and I'm going to be there when I said I'm going to be there, so I don't make you wait. Amen? It's a big thing. Time is a big thing. It's a good thing to start on time. I always tell people that if you're not early, you're late. 
You should be at least five or ten minutes early to something or you're late. Okay? Time is important. Time is an area where you're denying yourself. Another one is your talk. Your talk. I've played basketball for years with people on the court, and they cuss their mouths off, and then all of a sudden we get into a conversation, and I tell—I don't tell them I'm a pastor. I don't ever tell people I'm a pastor. I tell them I'm a believer in Christ, and we start, I start sharing my faith, and all of a sudden they change the way they talk, like I'm God. Why do you stop cussing for me? What, I've had people cuss around me and go, oh, sorry, pastor. I'm like, why don't you think about God? Why are you, why are you sorry for me? And, and, and they'll cuss, and they'll say these same things, and then five minutes later, oh, I just thank God, and I just bless God, and I'm so blessed. How can you have those two things come out of your same mouth? James says, how is it possible that salt water and fresh water come out the same, out the same fountain? It's not possible. Amen. That's when you talk, you deny yourself of what you want to say. I mean, that will help a lot of marriages. Amen. Deny yourself. And the last one is testimony. And they kind of go hand in hand. And, and I believe, listen, I'm not, I'm not escalating ourselves, but I believe a church should have standards. And if you're in the ministry and you're serving, you should be different than the other people so they want to be like you. If we still talk and act and walk and do like everybody else, what sets us apart? Where is our testimony at? If you go to the club on Saturday nights, you better not be serving on Sunday morning. I can't be there. I don't live in your house. I don't know what you're doing. But I have a standard that we live up to as a church and as believers. And these same standards that we have in our ministry expectations are things Jesus is telling us we need to deny ourselves on. We need to deny ourselves. They're things that we don't need. They're things that we can say, I'm not going to do that. Let me give you one more verse. Titus 2.7. Last verse, Titus 2.7. As that's coming up, let me, re- let me tell you something about the cross. That big piece of wood that they were carrying, when they got crucified, Jesus did this as well. Think about this. That song says, no turning back. They were carrying that wood on their shoulders one way because they weren't coming back with it. Too many people say they want to serve God, but they've got a, a plan A and a plan B and a plan C behind them. They say, I'll take up my cross, but as I start walking, if, if things don't go the way I need them to go, I'm going to go back. Jesus said, if you put your hand to the plow and look back, you're not worthy. We need, amen, we need to be looking forward and not looking back. No plan A, no plan B, no plan C. Burn the bridges. That's another message I preached a bunch. Burn the bridges behind you. So there's nothing to go back to. I'm talking about real commitment, church. I'm not talking about American Christianity. I'm talking about real Christianity. Don't allow the stuff that's going on in this world that's on TV and radio and this fluffy, puffy stuff to keep you away from the fact that Jesus expects us to deny ourselves. Amen. It's real. And when I tell you this story in just a second, I hope it sobers your mind if you've been a little bit petty about any of these things I just talked about. Because I can just see in the cloud, the, the thought cloud of your mind. Don't mess with my time. Don't mess with my, with my tithe. Don't mess with this. Don't, come on, man, don't mess with that. Well, when you hear this story, I hope all of us feel bad for our American Christianity. Our lazy weak American Christianity sometimes. 
with our first world problems. Amen? Our first world problems. Because there are people who have died and sacrificed their lives for that gospel to get to us today. Who denied themselves so that we could hear the gospel today. What, 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 what more can we do? He says, in all things, show yourself. And in what things? Church things? Things on Sunday? All things. In all things. In all things. Show yourself to be a pattern. A pattern means something consistent of good works. In doctrine, showing integrity and reverence and incorruptibility. Amen. Listen, I've said this over the years, and I'll say it again this morning. There may be some messages like this that I preach that are very pricking to your heart. You'll thank me someday for guilt for telling you messages like this that make you think and make you want to be better. Your flesh doesn't like it, but your spirit will. Because our flesh wants to be catered to. Our flesh wants to be massaged. Our flesh wants to say, it's okay if you feel bad about that. Our flesh wants, but Jesus said, deny yourself. Deny yourself. Take up your cross. Follow me. Stop complaining about that little petty stuff. I've got something amazing waiting for you in heaven. Can you just deny yourself a little bit? Carried that cross. That thing would be 110 pounds on their back. Knowing they weren't coming back from it. And in these areas, we all have to work on. All these areas. So here's how the song, I Have Decided to Follow Jesus, was written. You'll never believe where or who. That famous song, I have decided to follow Jesus, was not written in America. It was not written in England. It was written in India. India, the country of India, where the Hindus are. By an Indian man who was evangelized in the Welch revival by some missionaries from England who went over there and began to tell them about Jesus Christ to a Hindu believer, to a Hindu nation where there's 80 million gods. 80 million. And they began to hear about this Jesus and this one family got saved in this tribe. And this was a tribe of headhunters. Well, they would find people and cut their heads off. They would kill them. They would shoot them. They, would, they, would, they were very, very violent. And this one family, a husband and a wife and his two kids got saved, put their faith in Jesus Christ and got saved. And when the chief found out about it, he brought that family forward. He was going to make a spectacle. This is a true story. It happened in the 1870s. It's how the story or the song, I Have Decided to Follow Jesus, was written. That chief said to that man, deny publicly this faith in Jesus Christ or I will kill your kids. As he said that, this man recently saved who had chose to follow Jesus Christ said, I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. And the chief ordered his children to be killed. They took arrows and shot them right in front of him. As his, as his two kids are on the ground quivering and dying, he says to the man, deny this Jesus or I will kill your wife like I just killed your kids. He said, though none go with me, still I will follow. 
Though none go with me, still I will follow. Though none go with me, still I will follow. I have decided to follow Jesus. And the chief ordered that his wife be murdered right in front of him. As his wife falls to the ground and begins to quiver and dies right in front of him. He says, now that I've killed your kids and your wife, I'll kill you too if you don't deny Jesus. He said, the cross before me, the world behind me. The cross before me, the world behind me. The cross before me, the world behind me. No turning back. No turning back. With his wife and his kids dead, they shot him dead. And the Welch revivalists that were there took down the names of the song. And the chief said, if that man would give his life and his family's life for this Jesus, I want that Jesus. And the whole tribe got saved. And there was a mighty revival in India because a man said, today I have decided to follow Jesus. And I won't turn back. That's the gospel, church. Amen. That's the real gospel. So the next time we make up these excuses and we complain, I'm, I'm, I'm tired of hearing people say, oh, I've just got these problems. Deny yourself. Well, I'm just sick. Deny yourself. Well, I don't have this and I don't have that. I'm depressed and I'm, deny yourself. Next time you start getting in that mind frame, can you think about these, this man and his wife and his kids, please? Because I'm going to. That man that said, I, it's, not, I, 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 it's not about my life today. It's about this chief seeing that Jesus is real. Amen. As you bow your heads and close your eyes, how many in this place this morning have not decided to follow Jesus? Today, you, you have not said, I, Jesus... I want to follow you right now. I want to live for you. I, I, I'm not going to deny you anymore. I want to make a public faith, a confession of my faith. How many in this place can say, Pastor, I need to do that today, right now. Just lift your hand and put it right back down. That's me. I'm not saved. All over this place. I'm not asking if you're a member of a church. I'm not asking if you have a Bible in your lap. I'm asking, have you sold your life out to Jesus? Is he everything? Have you surrendered to him? Are you saved? Are you born again? We need to come back to the Lord today. We need to reconcile with the Lord today. That's you lift your hand. I need Jesus to come back into my life. I've, I've, I've walked away from him. I've, I've denied him. I've gone back to my old ways, and I need Jesus today. Amen. As we stand to our feet, we're going to sing this song. And I want to make a statement about why the altar is so important. Because in a small way, but very symbolic. When we step out of our seats and we come to an altar, we're saying, Lord, I don't, de I de I don't deny you. I decide to follow you. I, I, this, it's, a, it's, a, it's a place of decision. Some people, for some reason, think the altar is a place of weakness. It's not a place of weakness. It's a place of surrender. It's a place of commitment. It's where you can take this message today and say, man, I'll, I'll, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live for you, Jesus. I'm going to commit to you, Jesus. I'm going to stand for you, Jesus. If somebody comes into this place right now with a gun and tells me to deny my faith, I'll, I'll die for Jesus. Would you do it? I don't know. Only you can answer that question. All I know is I want to be like that man. I can't imagine. I can't imagine my wife and daughters dying right in front of me. I can't, I can't imagine it. 
But I know there's a resolve in my spirit today that said that I would not deny Jesus. Do you have that? Do you have that in your heart today? If you don't, you can. Because Jesus is asking you today, have you decided to follow me today? That's the cool thing about the gospel. If you failed him yesterday, you can start today. If you mess up today and you fail him today, God will give you a chance tomorrow. He's a God of second chances. He's a God of mercy. There's, there's some people in here that will make some decisions today that will change your lives. As we begin to sing, I'm going to make this a very different altar call than anyone I've ever done. If you, if you believe in Jesus, as we begin to sing this song, would you make a statement to the devil and come to this altar and just stand across this place? I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Though none go with me. Though none go sing this again would you think about that family the sacrifice that they made for us would you would you make a resolve in your spirit that, that I'm not going to deny Jesus at my school I'm not going to deny Jesus at my work I'm not going to be ashamed of him or afraid of him I'm going to step out and say listen Jesus is everything I believe he's the way I believe he's the truth I believe he's the life I'm going to live for him I'm going to serve him I'm going to commit to him. I'm going to give my life to him. I'm going to give my time, my talk, my testimony, my finances. I'm going to give whatever he asks so that God can reign in my life. I make a decision. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. Oh no. 
denial of myself before me the world behind me the cross before me the world behind me the cross before me oh no turning back no turning back oh no turning back no turning final thought before we sing it one more time you know that there's a lot of de uh, debate and dilemma and talk and everything about backsliding and can can you lose your salvation and can are you saved always and all these different things but all I can tell you is this I've seen lots of people come to an altar and get saved give their life to the Lord begin to serve God begin to bear fruit begin to see change in their life and then they disappear I don't know where they go and then I find out later they're not in church. They're not serving God. So call it what you want. People turn back. People turn away. And, and, and the truth of the matter is a lot of us in here, hopefully, are not going to have to give our lives for Jesus. We're not going to have to die a martyr's death because we're blessed to live in this country. Although we know as we get closer to the return of Christ, there will be no place that it won't be like that. It will be like that here as well. But we live in a country still to this day where we're not seeing the persecution that they see everywhere else in the world. Where people today are, are dying for their faith right now. As we've been in this service, people have died for the faith that we are sometimes complaining about. And I'm not trying to be mean when I say that, but I, 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 I get mad at myself too. I get mad that sometimes we're so weak and we're so complaining and we're so selfish when there's people around the world that I might be complaining about a time or having to do something or oh they ask for money or I got to go to church or whatever and there's people who are giving their lives physically because they don't want to deny Jesus and so that to me sobers me it makes me want to stop complaining and have a perspective that's real and I want to I want to I want to be like them I don't I'm not saying I don't, I don't want to die a painful death but I don't want to deny Jesus. And so maybe yours isn't going to be dying with an arrow through your chest. But maybe it's going to be not laughing at that joke. Maybe it's going to be doing what you're supposed to do with your finances. Maybe it's going to be not cussing. Maybe it's going to be being that Bible that someone's going to read. That's not a Bible. It's your life. That would be so different that they would say, man, there's something about you that I need. Instead of us being so much like the world that they can't tell the difference. There's nothing that sets us apart. There's got to be something in us besides Christ that lives in us. There's got to be an attitude and a talk and a walk and a, and a life that lives that someone says, man, you're different, and I don't know what it is, but I want it. We have to. And it's not about our, our clothes. It's about how we live. Amen? It's about how we live and talk and walk. And so I'm, I'm telling myself next time I get selfish and, and talk about first world problems, I'm going to remember this man and his wife and his kids who died to write this amazing song that's so beautiful. 150 years ago, that's not that long ago. We're not talking about 1,500, 2,000 years ago. This is in the last century that this man gave his life in India for us. Because it's working for me today to challenge me to want to be a better believer and deny myself more which going back to Philippians is putting other people first. Sometimes it's like, man, what do I do? Just think about other people. 
Sometimes it's the little things. It's opening the door for somebody. It's letting somebody else go eat before you. It's buying somebody else's meal. It's telling them you, you're, you're beautiful. You're, you look nice. You're, you're a blessing to the kingdom of God. There's so many little things that we can do. Sometimes we're trying to do such big things that we forget the little things that can really help somebody continue to make it. Amen. And I see your resolve here today, but I don't want to see you backslide. I don't want to see you go back. I don't want to see you disappear. I want to see you do something for God. I want to see you fulfill the destiny that God has for your life because somebody is behind you that needs Jesus and then the person that's behind you that's behind them needs Jesus and if I deny if I if I deny Jesus if I don't deny Jesus or myself to Jesus now the person behind me is not going to get him and the person behind them is not going to get him and they need Jesus just like I did I want to be that person how many want to be that person Amen. Let's keep those hands raised for one moment. Sing this one more time. I have decided. I have decided to follow Jesus. As you sing it, just have a resolve in your spirit. I'm the only one Father, we love you and worship you and magnify you, Jesus. We thank you for going to the cross and denying yourself for us, Jesus. Thank you for helping us to be like you in every way that we can, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Amen, amen, amen. We need to make a shirt. I told the first service we need to make a shirt. It says, I have, have you decided to follow Jesus today? And then they'll say, what do you mean by that? say we're glad you asked and we'll get them saved have you decided to follow jesus today with a question mark thanks again for listening if you want to hear more messages please subscribe to our podcast channel and if you like it consider rating it and sharing it with your friends for more content from vwo denton go to our website at vwotexas.com